0: Our reading today is from Philippians 4, verses 10 to 23. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thanks so much, uh, Didier, for reading. Um, And a big thanks to uh, all of those who were involved in uh, the radio uh, production this morning. Um, It was great. I know one of the joys of the radio is uh, hearing how my name gets pronounced. And I thought they did a pretty good job today. Um, We are coming to the end of the book of Philippians. Um, I think it has really felt like a book for these times. I hope you have felt that as we've been through it. It has really resonated with a lot of what we've been going through over these past few weeks. Um, And if if you've been with us or if you haven't, what we've talked about um, through the book, uh, we've talked about striving together um, in all circumstances. We've talked about keeping going uh, as Christian believers uh, we've talked about seeing the good even in difficult situations. We've talked about keeping looking forward um, to a heavenly uh, and a new creation. Um, and as we've done that, and as we've kind of built that up over the weeks and we've heard what Paul has had to say, I feel as we get to this last section, you can almost hear a question in the backs of their minds, the Philippians he was writing to, as if to say, OK, Paul, we've, we've heard all of this, but what am I going to do about my actual needs? What am I going to do about the the actual needs that I have, the very real, the nitty-gritty of the problems I am facing at the moment? I've heard you say all these great things, and I hear it, but what do I do about my actual needs? Uh, The Philippians who said, I don't have enough food at the moment. What do I do about that? The Philippians who might have said, Uh, We're scared to go to church at the moment. What do we do about that? And it might be that some of us recognize uh, that question, what do I do about my actual needs? In the face of all that we've heard, um, you might have felt that over this past few weeks and months as we've looked through and we've heard these messages, perhaps you have very real, very present needs, perhaps having lost work in one form or other uh, over the past while. Uh, wondering genuinely uh, how you'll make ends meet, perhaps living on your own, uh, and as uh, lockdown has unfolded and continued and we've gone back into it and the challenges that has brought. Maybe school uh, or college and exam worries and the kind of tension there is around at the moment has felt very real and very pressured. What do we do about that? There may be needs that... Uh, Perhaps you uh, people know about uh, whom you know. There may be some which you just carry on your own and no one really does. And we're going to look at some of that uh, this morning. I think Paul addresses some of that as he kind of reaches this final part of his letter. And as we do, I just want to give us a sense of how this passage works. Um, to just kind of make, make sense of uh, the flow of it. Now, um, hopefully, this will help because if you, if you were listening as we were, had it read, almost the whole thing feels a little bit like Paul is going back and forth, back and forth. Um, let me explain what he means. He uh, talks about the, the gifts that they have given him and the help that they were to him. And firstly, he sounds very positive about it. In verse 10, if you've got the chance to look at the verses again. Uh, He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He's very positive about their gifts. Then he seems to go back on himself uh, in verse 11, um, as though he didn't need the gifts. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances So he seems to go back on himself. Then he seems, in verse 14, a little later on, very positive again. And he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Uh, He talks about no one else having helped him, and you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So he's positive about it. And then in verse 17, he seems to reverse again and go back on himself and doesn't seem to need the gifts again. He says, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is more to be credited to your account. Now, why this back and forth? What is... Does Paul want their gift? Does he not want their gifts? It's not very clear, is it? He he sort of seems to move. And I think he is trying to to help them understand something. He is genuinely thankful for the help that they have been to him. But they aren't his ultimate help. It's almost like he's saying, I am so thankful for the gifts you've given me, but ultimately I, I didn't need them. Now, let me explain why, he says. And I think he's trying to get those two things across. The help from others, which he really valued, but the ultimate help that he has in Christ. And those are going to be the two uh, things that we'll talk about. And I think he's trying to get them across without making them seem like they're just the same thing. Okay? So the easiest way to look at this, I think, is to try and uh, is to have a look at the second paragraph first, because he is actually looking back in time then, and then it will come on to the first paragraph. So we'll take it in that order, and the first thing that I want to talk about then is the help from others. Help from others in verses 14 to 20. I wonder if I, if I had said to you, when has somebody really come through for you? Have you ever had that kind of situation? Perhaps somebody has given you an unexpected gift that has just really helped you out. So I know that has happened uh, to me, it's happened to our family um, down the years. Somebody has just come through and been just gracious and generous and it's, it's a, a wonderful help. And the Philippians had really stepped up. That is how Paul felt about them here. And he takes us down a, a sort of trip down memory lane as he's sort of relaying some fond memories from verse 14. Um, as he reminds him, he says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, As you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need." So that's the uh, memory lane. A little bit of back story. Uh, if you remember, Paul had gone to Philippi. Um, he'd set the church up there. Things had happened. He'd been arrested. Um, he'd been uh, severely flogged, imprisoned. He'd had to leave, and they they travelled on to the next place. And they'd been in difficulty there. And the Philippians, from the earliest times, had sent on help. They'd sent real financial help, gifts on to Paul and his team, and he really valued it. they have been an enormous help to him. And actually, the language that he uses, the words he's got here, they're all sort of abundant, overflowing words. So in verse 17, uh, carrying on, he says, "'Not that I desire your gifts. "'What I desire is that more be credited to your account. "'I've received full payment and have more than enough. "'I'm amply supplied. "'Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent.'" They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. He's, the language is just, he's, he's so thrilled, and it's, it's full of abundance uh, and joy. Um, and if you just glance back, if you um, can, at verse 10, um, I love this bit. He's, when he talked about them renewing their concern for him, the word is actually blossomed, um, It reflowered. Uh, their help for him had, had, had reflowered like a garden in spring. If you're a gardener, You might know that time when everything just seems to spring back into life, and that is what he was talking about. That was the kind of help. And our needs can be, and very often are, met by others. Our hardship fund here at church is just a great example of that, I think, over these past few months. It's pretty much a a living, working example of what Paul has said here. Um, uh, we have a hardship fund. You may know we've spoken about it. It has sought to help a number of different folk in a number of different situations and contexts. And I know many have been really thankful for the support that it has offered. Our needs can be and often are met by others. But that's not all there is to say here as Paul is uh, trying to teach them and reaching the end of his letter. That's not all there is to say. And you get a hint of it um, in verse 19 because right at the end of this uh, trip down memory lane when he's talking about what they did for him, he says, My God will meet your needs. And that, um, being very candid, is a pretty tricky little verse which we need to come back to um, and to make sense of it um, I think we'll just need to, to take in what Paul has to say about himself from the earlier bit of the passage, and then we'll come back to verse 19. So if he's talked about help from others, he then talks about his ultimate help in Christ. So that's the, uh, the second of the two things. And Paul brings us back up to date at this point and how uh, he views things uh, at this um, uh, part of his uh, life. So um, picking up uh, again with Um, Verses 11 to 13, he says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. These are some, some of the most famous words uh, that you'll come across uh, in the letters of Paul. He says he's, he's learned to be content in whatever state he's in, whatever situation he finds himself in. And he says, verse 13, he can do all this through him who gives me strength which is a massive claim, isn't it? It's a big, bold statement, and we need to just unpack it and try and understand it. And I'm going to try and do my best to, to, to explain what I think he's getting at. Now, firstly, I don't think he's talking about this uh, getting strength like a phone charger, Okay, let me use that image. I don't think he means that through Christ, it's like a kind of phone charger. You know, sometimes you feel, um, I don't know if you have this situation where you, you're very aware of what sort of uh, level of charge your phone has, and sometimes it's, you know, you might start the day and it's full and you feel at ease, and you have those moments when you glance at your phone later on and you suddenly realize it's almost out of charge, and you think, oh, what am I going to do with that? Um, I don't think he's using that kind of image, because if, if, you, if you think about it for a moment, the danger would be some of us might think, well, why, why, Lord, am I just feeling empty today? Why am I just feeling like I'm completely drained of all my battery? Have I just not been given enough charge? Have you just not given me enough for today? Is that, is that what's happening? There's a, there's a sort of strangeness. I don't think he's describing the strength he gets like that, not like a phone charger. More, I think he, the way he's trying to explain it is, think of it as the place that you are in. When he talks about... Uh, through Christ or being in Christ, in verse 19, think more about the, ter- the, the kind of place that he is operating from, okay? Now, let me try and explain that a bit. Um, when something happens to you, particularly if it's something bad, where you are can often really matter, can't it? So imagine for a moment that your car breaks down if you have a car. Imagine if, you, if your car breaks down. If you are far from home, um, and you're somewhere that you you know you're not you don't really know quite where you are. It can be quite a desperate situation, can't it? If you're far from home and, and your car breaks down, you're not in a place that you know, um, and you might be you know you might be exposed on a busy road or a, or just a very lonely road. The weather may be awful. You know you you find yourself those situations where you're wondering how am I going to get home? You're in a place that you don't know, and the thing that has happened, your car is breaking down, is really quite desperate. But if your car has broken down and you're at home, if it, breaks, you know, it won't start outside your house. Now, it's bad, and it can be difficult, but it's not as desperate, is it, as where you were when you were away from home? You can take that kind of situation just a little bit more readily because you're in a place that you know. You're in a place of security and safety. You might be able to you know, call on a neighbour. You might be able to just go in and wait it out inside your house and have a cup of tea and, and you know, whatever it might be. And Paul, now if I can run with that analogy, these kind of two places, Paul is saying he's learned to meet the ups and downs of life in Christ in that place he's learned to take whatever comes to him from a place of having Jesus with him, a place of security and safety, a place of being in Christ. He's not saying, you know, just sort of pretend that situations aren't bad and pretend that bad things don't happen. But he's saying, I can face whatever comes at me because I am in Christ. I'm in that place. Now, I hope that you know, it might make some sense, I don't know. For, for Paul, the kind of things he's talking about are not easy things. Uh, he's talking about being arrested, uh, being um, people trying to beat him, uh, finding himself in prison, as, as Sarah was talking about, going without food. But he says, somehow, I can meet those things in Christ, where I'm in a place where I know him. And the reason I think this is important is if you take that verse 13 um, and you just kind of take it out of context, it's the most burdensome verse. I think it really can crush us. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Um, If you take it just sort of out of context and say, I can do all this, anything, uh, can you do anything? I can't. Um, There are a huge number of things I can't do. And if I was to think that I could, it would just kind of weigh me down. But instead, if you can kind of run with my analogy for a moment, what place will you and I find ourselves in when difficult news comes, when difficult things happen? In terms of my sort of image, are we sort of on our own, somewhere, you know, in a distant part of the M6 where it's windy or cold or and you don't feel like you've got any protection? Or are we in Christ, knowing we're in his place, his home, when when uh, we have him with us. And when the news comes, when the difficult times come, it's as though there is a chance to, if you can imagine it, get a cup of tea and have a sit down. It's always a good thing. Now, I'm trying to sort of map out how Paul is processing this. Now, why is Paul telling this to these Philippians? Well, remember, as we've seen all along, we've talked about this quite a lot, they were struggling, they were suffering and there, were, there were real challenges for them. And I think Paul has been building to this through the letter and trying to show them that God may help them and he may help them through others, but ultimately what God provides is himself in his son for us. And that brings us back to verse 19, which I said was um, uh, rather ambitiously, said it was quite tricky and we would come back and have a look at it. And, and verse 19, uh, just to read it out again, God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. And I think you and I have to think for ourselves, what does it mean when he says God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ? If that was to mean you know, anything you want, uh, God will provide anything you want, whatever, that's just not true, is it? We know that uh, by experience. Even if it means God will, will meet uh, even your food needs, your shelter needs. Well, that's hard to say is true when you look across the world, isn't it? So There are plenty of people who are in very struggling physical situations. And I realize that's not an easy thing to to take in or to say, but the Bible doesn't promise to meet every physical need that you and I have. And it doesn't say that difficult and painful things won't happen. But Paul is saying to them that in Christ, in that place of security, in that place of knowing him, you and I can face whatever comes at us. God can supply the strength to persevere, to keep going. That may be the strength to go on for many months when you've had to shield by yourself. That may be the strength to to put up with a really tough situation living uh, in halls, say, if you're a student. The strength when school feels like it is uh, worrying and pressured because of COVID or or exams. The strength to keep caring for an elderly mum or dad. The strength to keep going when work is hard to come by. I think... As we reach the end of this letter, Paul is talking to them, I think, seriously and earnestly about their their discipleship and their Christian maturity. And, And the Bible has to work in moments like those, doesn't it? It has to work in those tough and challenging moments, whether that's for the Christian who is in North Africa somewhere, who is pretty much on their own in the faith, or for the Christian who is facing lockdown on their own again here in the UK whether it's a season of plenty or a season of little, whatever circumstances come at us, in Christ, riches won't go to our heads, poverty won't go to our hearts. When you and I have Christ with us, when he says, I am yours always, I am with you, you are in my place forever, no one can take anything from us that can ultimately destroy us. We can face whatever comes at us. The words of our next uh, hymn are going to put it in these terms, that we have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow.